Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy, of the, your copy of the Bible and turn with me to the New Testament book of Philippians. The New Testament book of Philippians and the book of Philippians in chapter number one. The book of Philippians chapter number one. We're beginning a brand new series starting today dealing with the idea of Philippians. On Wednesday night we gave an introduction to this book and now we're going to start going through it verse by verse and chapter by chapter exploring this wonderful book of joy. Understanding where the joy comes from. It comes from knowing him that I may know him. Now we know that each one of the epistles written by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit were written to individual churches to help their individual needs. For example, the church of Corinth had a lot of problems. They were a carnal fleshly church who tried to do things in their own power to exalt themselves. And so the apostle Paul had to write the book of 1st and 2nd uh, Corinthians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to correct the behavior of that church. We had the churches of Galatia that had turned from the gospel that was preached to them and then added to it saying we were saved by God's grace but in order to say saved we have to earn it. We have to keep ourselves saved. And the Apostle Paul had to correct that behavior. And so each one of these epistles were written for a specific purpose to encourage the people. Now the book of Philippians is a little bit different because in here he's not correcting behavior. In this book He's trying to encourage this church who's been an encouragement to him in his darkest days. And so if you don't mind, let's start off as we see Paul beginning the introduction and the greetings to these saints. And the book of Philippians chapter 1. The book of Philippians chapter 1, and notice with me in verse number 1. Philippians 1 verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at... Philippi, and with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you, for you all making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now. Being confident of this very thing that he 
which hath began or begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how, I great, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And if you have been marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase, a verse, in fact, that we find in the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and notice with me in verse number 3, the entire verse, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And with this, we're going to see this salutation and this important salutation that Paul has to the church of Philippi as he just exclaims to them, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Basically, he's saying, every time I think about you, it's wonderful because you're that important to me. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come upon you now, we're just asking that you would open up this text in a special way, that you would draw us close, that you would help us to learn more about you. As for me, my desire is to be a blessing to these folks, but I know it cannot be done in my own strength and my own spirit. I don't have the words to say. I don't have the oratory skills that are necessary, but your Holy Spirit does. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you even now with the expectation and the promise of your word that you would do your own work through your precious word even now. Help be an encouragement to these dear folks to draw them close to you. In your name I pray, amen. As we start off with this introduction to Paul to the church of Philippi through this epistle, we can see the first thing here is I think of the saints in Philippi. I think of the saints in Philippi. Now, of course, the church of Philippi was a very special church to Paul. There was a lot of things that had happened. In fact, notice with me in verse number one, and uh, we'll get a good running start. Paul and Timotheus to the servants of Jesus, uh, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, he's saying this because it's significant. We actually have Paul meeting these saints, these uh, people who are making up the church of Philippi. And we find it recorded in the book of Acts chapter 16. If you don't mind the little sidetrack, let's actually look at this account in the book of Acts chapter 16, where he met some of these saints. And again, there are three specific saints that were introduced here that are going to be the bedrock foundations of the church membership of the church of Philippi. And so let's start off in the book of Acts chapter 16, and let's see these people who are making up the church of Philippi. Notice with me in Acts 16 and notice with me starting at verse number 13. Acts 16 and verse 13. Uh, let's go hit verse 12 to get a good running start. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, 
And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman or to the women which resorted thither. So here's Paul and his team as they go to the church uh, to the place of Philippi and they're having a desire to start a church. And before they start, they say, you know, let's have a prayer meeting. Where should we go? Well, the riverfront, that's beautiful. Let's go by the riverside. Let's get a good view of the river. And they walk over there. And as they prepare to have this time of prayer to pray for this church start, and as they got there, God set up divine appointment. Here's some women outside by the river, and they're all doing various deeds. Verse number 14 goes to a certain woman, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, that if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So here, as they're going to the riverside, they're going to prepare to pray for this church plant. We're going to go pray for this. And as they got there, they saw certain ladies. They were doing various tasks. Some were working, maybe like a little small, little bazaar, uh, little shops, tents set up where people are selling certain things. And so Paul and his team began to speak to some of these vendors, these sellers, these ladies that are about. And as they're speaking to these other ladies, there's a certain lady by the name of Lydia. Now it describes her. She's of the city of Thyatira, which is in Asia. So she comes from the continent of Asia. And she's a seller of purple. Now, <laughs> unlike today where we have colors of different sort, most people's clothes were very drab, grays and browns, earth tones. But purple was a very special, highly sodded after color because it was actually made with a special worm that they would catch from the sea. And they would uh, process it and take it and use it as a dye and it was a very expensive color and very expensive clothes so here is a lady who's selling very expensive things which carries the idea that she has a little bit of means behind her she's selling these and she happens to hear Paul he's witnessing to someone he's talking to them about the Lord Jesus Christ well it just so happens that she's learned about Jehovah God maybe she got a hold of some Hebrew scriptures along the way some way or another she's already been prepared and when she heard the Apostle Paul. She heard it more and listening in. And next thing you know, she's asking him questions. And she comes to the place where she realizes she's a sinner. And because of her sin that she's offended a holy righteous God. And she came to know Christ as her Savior. And immediately talking with Paul, she and her household followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Remember, baptism doesn't save anybody. It's just a picture that Jesus died for us and was buried and rose again. It was an evidence that I've decided to follow after Christ. And her and her household accepted Christ. Her and her household got baptized. Then she pulled Paul aside and said, listen, I know you need a place to stay. In fact, you need a place to start this church. Why don't you use my place? And so the church of Philippi had begun at the house of Lydia. Isn't that wonderful of the Lord that they're going to go start a church and as they begin witnessing, they happen to find the right lady who happens to have room in their house to put up the Apostle Paul and his missionary team and to go ahead and to be able to take care and give them a meeting place where they can meet at. Well, what a great start to the church of Philippi. 
And so they start off with Lydia. And so can you imagine as the book of Philippi is writing and Paul's saying, I remember all of you. I remember how you met that. Can you imagine Lydia and her household that's filling in their own pew? And oh, we remember when we met Paul too. What an interesting time that was. Notice as there's a second individual who is now introduced to the Apostle Paul in verse number 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed us with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So as Paul and his team began to pray again, praying that God would help them to start the church, that God would open up doors, that they meet individuals. Here is another young lady, but she is possessed of a spirit. She has a spirit of divination or fortune telling. And she's actually gained her employers. They actually own her as a slave. So she's poor. She's the lowest class. She's actually owned by someone else. And she actually tells their fortunes, hey, do this, buy this, do this. And they've gained a lot of money because of her skills. And so what happens, verse 17, the same, this lady followed Paul in us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God and show us uh, the way of salvation. Now, that looks like a great statement, but the way that it is said was actually something that would chase him off. So imagine Paul and his team, here's Timothy, all right, let's go witnessing. So let's go meet some people. And as they start walking down the highways and byways, as they start meeting people, there's a lady following them saying, hey, here's the guy who's going to show you salvation. Hey, here. And what would happen is that people would kind of scatter and we're not going to talk to him. And it was causing more harm than good. By the way, this is called spiritual warfare. That as Paul is trying to start this church, there's going to be opposition. And because of the spirit that's uh, with this lady, she is not promoting Paul. She's trying to hurt Paul in spiritual warfare. Or the, we could see Satan's against it. The spiritual darkness are fighting against Paul. And so he's going behind and Paul becomes grieved. Notice what it says in verse number 18. And this she did many days. But Paul being grieved. So can you imagine? Paul and Timothy are going to go try and knock doors. They're going to try to talk with people. And as they're walking, here's this lady. Here's the guy who's going to show you salvation. And people would scatter. And Paul and Timothy, well, that was a bust. <laughs> it's hard to go witness when you have a lady screaming right behind you and chasing everyone away. Timothy, let's just try tomorrow. Let's go home. And so as Paul and Timothy went out again, this lady found him again. And everywhere they went, she's yelling and screaming and promoting all of this. Oh, it's hard to talk to people when here's a lady who's yelling behind you. And Paul's grieved in his heart and he's brokenhearted because he wants to start the church. And here's an opposition that's keeping him from talking to people. So Paul being grieved verse 18, and she did this many days. That means not a little, many days, day after day they tried. And yet she's still putting the opposition. But Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out, this demon, this spirit came out of her the same hour. So she's screaming. Paul finally had enough, turned around by the name of Jesus, get out. And the spirit left. Now, 
This is the same spirit who's been using this lady. She did not have the power of herself. It is a demon inside who was actually given this power. Now that the demon's gone, well, there goes the fortune telling. There goes the soothsaying. There goes what's the, going on the next day. And her employers weren't very happy about this. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and of the rulers. We'll catch this in a second. But here was a lady that had been filled with a demon. And because of the powers of the demon, she'd gained her employer's lot of money. And the spirit inside was trying to fight against Paul and trying to stop him from doing the Lord's work. Paul turned around, tore the spirit out, and now she's freed. She's freed from the spirit. By the way, most people believe she was a part of the church of Philippi now. So can you imagine Paul writing this letter of the book of Philippians? And he says, I thank God of the remembrance of you. Here's that lady that said, Paul changed my life. I was used as a vessel to try to put a spiritual warfare. I was against Paul at one time of my life. But I had an encounter with Jesus. And because of the name of Jesus, my life is different. Oh, don't you think she was a good church member after that because she had a change of a life, that things were different inside of her life? Well, of course, her employers, the people that owned her, were not very happy. And so they went to the magistrates. They arranged for Paul and Silas to get arrested. And so they arrest them, but they don't just arrest them, they beat them. Notice with me in verse 23. And when they, the people who arrested them, had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them. Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So what happened is they, they took Paul and Silas and they took a whip and they whipped their backs. They took off their cloaks, they took off their clothes, had the bare skin, and they beat them. And they beat them with many stripes. And by the way, they don't bandage them afterwards, they let them sit there. Then they put them in what the Bible says, the inner prison. That they had an outer prison which was <laughs> more tolerable, the inner prison would be more of a dungeon. And when it said they put their feet in stocks, what they would do is that they would actually have the prisoner sit in the muck and the mire. That basement was not clean. Then they had stocks that were placed on their feet so they could not stand up. They were forced to be in the muck and the mire. In the back their backs, if they were to lean against the wall, was full of dampness, mold, mildew, ick. A great place to have your open wound to go lean against. And this is where they sat. Now, imagine if that was you. You just got beat. All you're doing is trying to tell people about the Lord. And you've had obstacle after obstacle. I mean, it started off good. You met Lydia. She opened up the house. This is where the church is going to meet at. Then you had a lady that's been following you day after day after day when you try to witness. Chasing off people. Now that she comes to know Christ as her Savior, the employers are so mad, they throw you in jail. All you're trying to do is work for God and start a church. Now I'm in jail. My back's beat. I'm laying over here. Rats are crawling over me. I can't stand up. I can't uncramp. My legs have to be straight. How miserable are they really? How miserable would you be? Wouldn't that be a memorable experience? Let's see if I can get up. 
Good. Almost. Good. I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) So here's Paul and Silas. Miserable. Hurting. Cramped. Verse number 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, God, you've got to be doing something. We're trusting you to do something. We're trusting you. We're just trying to follow after you. You need to do a work. Lord, do what it takes to show your name true so we could see a church started here. And after they prayed, they sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Now notice a couple things. What time of day was it? Midnight. Where are they at? In the inner prison. They prayed and they sang. Did they sing softly? Well, they sang loud enough that the other prisoners heard about them. Now it may start it off kind of pathetic. Silas kind of nudges Paul and says, well, I guess we'll sing. Um, I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. And Paul started listening. And yeah, that's good. And next thing you know, they're in the chorus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. And Paul says, praise God. And they're shouting and they're singing praises in the Prisoners, can you imagine what they're thinking about? These crazy fools singing praises to God when they're in prison and they just got through being beat. But God wasn't done yet. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were opened and everyone's bounds were loosened. Now, I don't know how many earthquakes you've been in that actually organizes things. This earthquake opened up all the doors and Paul and Silas are in stocks and the stock locks break and open up. They could stand up. The doors are open. They could run if they want to. Verse 27, and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep. You'd probably wake up too if there was an earthquake in the middle of the night. And seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Now, according to Roman law, any keeper of prisoners who lost the prisoners violated his duty and was going to be ordered to death, normally a crucifixion for violating his duty. Well, he said, well, I failed my duty. The doors are open. Prisoners are probably gone. I might as well just kill myself. So here's a man ready to commit suicide. And just before he drives the sword in, Paul yells out, no, stop. Verse number 28, Paul cried with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we, not just Paul and Silas, but all the prisoners, we are all here. And then he called for a light and sprang in. The the jailer called for a light, sprang in, and came trembling. I mean, this is pretty uh, traumatic stuff. He was about ready to commit suicide. And now he hears the prisoners haven't escaped. They're just there. He comes in and he's shaking. He needs to see it for himself. There's Paul. He just got through beating. He put in the stocks. He's standing up. And he fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You think God was working on him just a little bit? 
Just a little bit. And you want to know who else was part of that church of Philippi? That jailer. These are people that had real events with Paul. These are people that had an evidence of a changed life. That they knew without a doubt that God was real. You had a Lydia who all she had to do was hear God's word. And that was enough. I'm willing to do things for God. Here is a lady who was possessed with a demon. And she had a totally different lifestyle. Then you had a jailer who saw the miracle working power of answered prayer. And a God who answers prayer. And he said that God is real. And these three became a foundation. I can't help to wonder how many other prisoners became a member of that church of Philippi too. Watching all of this happen. But these three people were the bedrock, the foundation of this church of Philippi. And so now as Paul is writing to the church of Philippi with a smile on his face. Can you imagine the apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit pen and paper writing this? And he says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Now, even though that was exciting times, it was spiritual warfare, but they watched God work. Don't you think that he meant that when he thinks about Lydia? He thinks about this damsel possessed. He thinks about this jailer. I think about you and I think about what God did for you. Without a doubt, God did something in your life. Without a doubt, God is doing something with that church. Without a doubt, I know God's working and I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of the remembrance of each and every one of you. And he could remember not just those three, but everyone he won to the Lord. Everyone that he discipled and everyone he trained to be a pastor and a deacon. He thought about each one of them and his investment in each of their lives. He says, those are important people to me. As he continues with this, not only does he say that I think of the saints in Philippi, he also says, I think of you with joy as I pray for you. I think of you with joy as I pray for you. Notice with me in verse number 4. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, Always in every prayer of mine for you, making request with joy. You know, to study Paul's prayer life is enough to convict anyone. In the book of Romans, he told them in Romans 1.9 that he prayed unceasingly for them. He told the Corinthian church that he was always thanking God for them, 1 Corinthians 1.4. He told the Ephesians that he never stopped thanking God for them, Ephesians 1.16. He told the Colossians that he was always praying for them. He told the Thessalonians that he was always making mention of them in his prayers, 1 Thessalonians 1.2. And he was thanking God for them all the time. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 He told Timothy that he prayed for him day and night. 2 Timothy 1.3 He told Philemon that he made mention of him always in his prayers. Philemon 4 And here in Philippians 1.4 Excuse me. Uh, he says, Always in every prayer of mine for you, making request with joy. You know, that was one thing he could say about the church of Philippi that he maybe could not say in other things. You know, the Bible talks about the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. He says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch over your souls. As they must uh, give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for this is unprofitable for you. You know, if there's a church that people are not doing what they're supposed to, the pastor becomes broken hearted. 
And so he prays for them. He doesn't stop praying for them. But it's with a broken heart. Lord, please help them obey. Please let them respond right. Lord, they don't understand what a car crash they're headed to. Lord, please turn them. But with the church of Philippi, he could say, when I pray for you, I could pray for you with joy. Oh, Lord, they are responding well. Help them to continue to respond well. Help them to continue to follow after you. Lord, I enjoy praying for these folks because I know they've made a decision to follow after you. It's a joy to pray with them. I'm not praying to correct their behavior. I'm not praying that they would turn from their ways. I'm praying that they would continue the way they're going. I could pray with them with joy. You know what a blessing that is for a preacher to pray for people with joy and not with grief? To pray to God that God would continue to help them to move forward instead of brokenheartedly saying, God, please, they're going to hurt themselves and they don't see it. They don't see it. It is significant that he says that I'm praying with you, making every request with joy. I'm glad to pray for you. And I'm glad to pray these requests for you. Oh, what a blessing it is. Turn to verse number five. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day. What was the first day? That was Lydia. Not only getting saved, but opening up her house for Paul to stay and for the church to meet in. Since that first day, this church has been a fellow helper in the gospel. There's been a fellowship in the gospel. Because of you, you've helped me do what God has given me to do in witnessing to people. Oh, we've been partners since the first day. And it continues on. By the way, the church of Philippi has actually sent relief to Paul. He sent finances to Paul. They've helped laborers to Paul. Everywhere Paul goes as a missionary, as an evangelist, starting churches, the church of Philippi has been a part of it. Through prayers, through finances, through labors. You've been having fellowship in the gospel. Since the very first day, we've labored together and moved forward. What a great joy that was. That wasn't a testimony that all churches had. That was a testimony that the church of Philippi had. That you have been, had the fellowship of the gospel. That because of Jesus Christ and you working with us, we've been seeing more people come to know the Lord because we've been working together for the fellowship of the gospel. We now move on and see as Paul is mentioning this, we also see that I think of you because I know Christ is working in you. I think of you because I know Christ is working in you. Notice in verse 6, being confident, so he says, I'm confident of this very thing that he, this is Jesus, which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. What? The work until the day of Jesus Christ. He says, I have no doubt, I have confidence that Jesus who started to work on you is going to continue to do a work on you. He's going to continue to draw you close to him. He's going to continue to change your life. He's going to continue to help you move forward. He's going to continue to work in your life. I have confidence in this. And guess when he's going to stop? He's not going to stop until the day of Jesus Christ. We made mention of this in Sunday school, but as a reminder, the day of Jesus Christ is when Jesus comes back to receive his church in the rapture. He comes back for him. The day of Jesus is when we get to see him. In the Bible, you also see the phrase, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a time when God is bringing the judgment upon a nation. 
And then we could see one more day, the day of God, is the eternal state in eternity future. And so when you see those different days, it's important to note. When you see the day of Christ, it's the day that we get to see Christ. When we're raptured up, when we get to meet with Him. That's the day we're looking forward to. And Paul says, I'm confident that Jesus began a work in you. And He's going to continue to work until He finally calls you home. I remember not too long ago, I had a lady who was <laughs> growing in the Lord and she asked this, is God ever going to stop working in me? Is God just going to give up on me? Is there a time that he just wipes his hands? And I said, let's see what the Bible has to say. Being confident of this very thing that he, Jesus, that began a good work in you. What good work did he begin in you? The day that you accepted Jesus as your personal savior. You became a new creature. You became a different person. The Holy Spirit who is God lives inside of you. And he's going to continue to work in your life. To do what he can to draw you close to him. Until he calls you home. That's a great promise. God's never going to wipe his hands of you. Even if you become backslidden, he's still going to try to prompt. He's still going to try to draw. He's still going to try to work. We have this confidence. He's not going to let us go if we're one of his. Isn't that a blessing? And Paul says, oh, I could think of you because I know he's going to continue to work. There's one more thing that we see here in this greeting of the Philippian church in the book of First Philippian, uh, the book of Philippians chapter 1. And we could see this. I think of you... Because ye are partakers of my grace. I think of you because you are partakers of my grace. Notice with me in verse 7. Even as it is meet for me to think of you all because I have you in my heart. Insomuch as both in my bonds, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. Now, what he is saying here is significant. At the time that Paul is writing this, he is currently present tense in jail in the city of Rome. He just finished spending a couple years of present, uh, in prison in Caesarea. And after that, they shipped him to Rome. Of course, he got shipwrecked. They finally brought him there. But he's in prison now waiting for trial to start with Caesar. He's appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen. And what they're waiting for is the witnesses, the Hebrew accusers to come up. And they're not going to come. Why not? Well, because there was a high crime to make a false accusation against someone before Caesar. And the Hebrew people who hated Paul didn't want to go before Caesar and make a false accusation because they would be put to death. And so Paul's waiting in prison, waiting and waiting and waiting for the accusers to show up. Could you imagine how frustrating that would be? Two years in jail in Caesarea. And now I'm here in Rome. In prison. Waiting. I don't have a trial date. They keep just saying they're going to send someone. They're going to send someone. But they never do. During this time when Paul was arrested at Caesarea. Many people began to abandon Paul. I don't want to be associated with a criminal. I don't want to be associated with someone in jail. Someone will say, oh, you were someone who followed Paul. Nope, nope, not me. I don't know what you're talking about. No, nope, I used to follow him, but you know, he's turned a different way. Nope, nope, nope. And they would distance themselves from Paul. And Paul would hear about that. 
Not only is being in jail discouraging and not being able to advance forward the way that you think you should be discouraging, but then you start to hear rumblings of people that you trained, that you won to the Lord, that you influenced, that are now saying, nope, I don't follow Paul. Nope, 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 we don't, we don't associate with Paul. Nope, nope, not at all. And to start being abandoned by all these people you influenced. How discouraging that would be. But the one church that did not was the church of Philippi. Verse number seven. Even as it is meet for me to think this of all of, or of you all, because I have you in my heart. Why? Insomuch as both in my bonds, you never abandoned me. Even though I'm in jail, I'm in prison now, I have chains on me. You stood with me and said, we're still with Paul. We're thankful for Paul. We're not abandoning Paul. He led us to the Lord. He discipled us. He was the instrument used to change our life. We're staying with Paul. And they would send him letters and they would send him encouragement. Let him know, Paul, we're not abandoning you. On the other side of that, Paul said, listen, I'm going to make a commitment to you. He says, even as it is meet for me to think of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds, notice this, and in the defense. The word defense, it carries the idea of what he's going to do. My defense is the gospel. That whenever somebody says, Paul, why are you in jail? The gospel. Paul, why did you go start this church? The gospel. Paul, why did you talk to that person? The gospel. He says, my defense is the gospel. Then let me tell you, and as you look through the book of Acts, every time Paul had an opportunity, he would say, let me tell you the time that I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I was a sinner. I was a wretch. I hated God and I was a murderer. But I came to a time where I accepted Christ as my Savior. My whole life changed. And now instead of murdering, I'm starting churches. And I'm helping those same people I used to persecute before. God did a change in my life. By the way, dear King. By the way, dear Caesar. By the way, dear Magistrate. God could do the same for you if you'd accept Christ as your Savior. He says, my defense is the gospel. Paul, why bother? You see how abused you are? Because God died for me, the least I could do is live for him. My defense is the gospel. My defense is the gospel. But notice this. He didn't just say defense, but he also said in confirmation. The word confirmation is a legal term dealing with an idea of a guarantee. He was guaranteeing to the church of Philippi that he was going to present the gospel every time I get a chance. The gospel is my defense, and I'm giving you this confirmation. I'm giving you my word. Every time I get a chance, I'm going to present the gospel. By the way, you know how many Roman guards he won to the Lord? The Roman guards at that time, because of the rest he was on, he actually had handcuffed to a guard at all times. Well, since we're here, can I tell you a little bit more why I'm here? And he would witness to every guard he was chained to. He would witness to everyone that came to visit him. There was a runaway slave that came from... Uh, <laughs> A city near Philippi that had run away from his master stealing things. And now he's running away in Rome thinking that he'll get lost in this big city. But while he's in Rome, he hears, there's that Paul guy. I heard my master talk about Paul all the time. Maybe I should go visit him. And so the runaway slave went to Paul and said, Paul, I heard so much about you. Can you tell me about yourself? And Paul says, well, let me tell you, I was a sinner 
saved by grace. There's a man by the name of Jesus who met me outside the road of Damascus and changed my life. And he could change your life too. And that man, runaway slave's name was Onesimus. He stayed with Paul for a while. And then Paul wrote a uh, letter to Philemon, his master, and said, you know what? I want you to forgive him of everything and put it on my account. I want you to take him back. And don't treat him no longer as a slave, but treat him as a brother because he's a brother in Christ. He's now co-heirs. Oh, Paul took time. Even though he couldn't go knock doors anymore, they came to him. Whether they were chained to him or they came to visit. And he says, let me tell you, Church of Philippi, I'm in prison now, but I give you my guarantee every time I get an opportunity, I'm going to tell people about the gospel. And we're going to co-laborers. We're co workers. We here have the fellowship of the gospel. I'm giving you that as you're supporting me, I'm giving you the guarantee I'm going to continue to witness to people. And I'm writing this letter because I know you're going to support me. And I'm writing back to let you know that I'm not going to let down my guard. I'm not going to stop doing what I'm going to do. Even though I'm in prison, I'm still going to witness to people. And what they did is they became a great team of a church and a preacher supporting one another, praying for one another, knowing that the gospel's going out, that as the church is supporting, the preacher's making the confirmation, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going forward. I don't care what obstacles, I'm giving you my guarantee. The gospel is what's going to be preached. Notice again in verse number eight, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now don't let that throw you off. We understand that the bowels here deal, deal with the seat of emotions. Today in western civilization. We call the heart our seat of emotions. I feel it in my heart. My achy breaky heart. Back then it would be the bowels. I would feel it deep in my gut. My feelings for you. That would ruin a lot of love songs today, wouldn't it? <laughs> but Paul is saying, deep in my seat of emotions, deep in my gut, I long to be with you. I care for you. And I can't wait for the opportunity to be with you once again. I care for you that much. And this is the introduction to the letter of the church of Philippi. The one about joy. Again, I want you to go back. Paul wrote this letter thinking of them. And now they receive the letter. Their pastor gets up and says, we have a letter from the Apostle Paul. If you don't mind, I want to read it out loud. And as they start reading it, you could see Lydia over here with her family, probably grandkids by now, and saying, yep, I remember that day from the very first day. Over here is that damsel. She's now married. She now has a family of her own. She says, yep, that was a time that I met. In fact, I met my husband in this church. And it was because of Paul. Then you have the Philippian jailer there with his family. Still working for the Roman government. Says, man, I remember that day. I'll never forget it. And you could see these three families just smiling at the letter of Paul. And for them to hear that Paul is not going to stop. What would have happened if Paul decided to stop before he got to Philippi? They wouldn't have got saved. They have in their mind that Paul is going to witness to another Lydia. Paul is going to witness to another jailer. Can you imagine the jailer saying, I know Paul. He's witnessing to everyone that's tied into him. I know him. Here's that damsel that says, how many lives are changed? Because Paul's making a commitment. He's not going to quit. He's not going to quit. So with that being said, 
Are you taking part in the fellowship of the gospel? You know, some people have a misunderstanding of what church membership is. What is church membership? It is putting your life and your influencing in helping this local church accomplish the gospel. Accomplish the Great Commission. Every one of you have a part to play. We are fellow heirs together. Even if it's something that you are part of us that go out and knock doors. And we have opportunities to do that. But you know what else we need? We continue to need finances. Need people to say, you know what? We're going to make sure that this ha- we have a place to stay. Electricity stays on so people can meet together. Hey, we're going to make sure that we have enough funds for tracks or John and Romans so they have something to pass out. Everyone has a part to play and there's more parts than that. We have people who are discipling others. Let me teach you how to follow after Christ so we can all witness together. We have Sunday school teachers who are influencing boys and girls and men and women to follow after God. Everyone has a part to play inside. There's being a member of a church is not a spectator sport. Everyone has a part to play for the fellowship of the gospel. This should be what unites us. This is our purpose. This is the goal of this local church. Is to see the great commission accomplished in our area. With the commitment, the guarantee, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep going. Keep moving forward. Because there are Lydia's that need to come to know Christ. There's those damsels who need a change of life. There's people who need to see a miracle to see that God is real. We need to make a commitment now. We're not going to stop. We're moving forward for the fellowship of the gospel. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.